Welcome to Happy to Be Here, a mental health podcast focused on normalizing who talks about mental health and how we talk about it. This week, we won't have a guest. We'll actually just have a conversation between me and you. I turned 30 in less than a week, and it's been on my mind for a while. I actually tried recording this conversation two or three times last week and just couldn't get to it. So today, I'm just trying to have a conversation with you. I jotted down a couple of notes and what I wanted you to get from the end of this episode. And really at the heart of it, I just hope that you know if you're about to turn 30, if you're looking at just starting your 20s and scared about what turning 30 will be eventually, or if you most recently turned 30, that I have no wisdom to share and just tools that I've used to make me feel more at peace with this new decade that I'm coming up on. A little backstory is that I've always been a really big fan of decades and new ones. When I was going to turn 10 years old, I remember leading up to it just how excited I was that I was going to be two whole hands. And when I turned 20, I think a little bit of the magic went away. I wasn't necessarily excited to turn 20, but I was real excited for what 21, 25, 28 would look like. I had goals that I met and some that I didn't. And looking back at what my 20s were, now that I've been reflecting, I realized that so much of my 20s were defined by the little questions, the things that I answered that I thought maybe wouldn't mean anything one day, and the little questions that I answered that I knew would, like who I went on that second date with, how long I kept a relationship going when I knew it wasn't going to work, when I started therapy, why I kept going to therapy, or who my friends were and who they weren't by the end of my 20s. I think so many of those small decisions, the texts we don't send back, the texts that we keep sending, they make us who we are right now. And as I look at 30 and what that will look like for me, I'm just hopeful that I'll keep trusting the version of myself that I've helped cultivate and grow today. And a lot of that comes down to the things I consume, the people I surround myself with, the books I read, the books I choose to let go of after chapter two because it just isn't vibing with me anymore. I think the notion of quitting was a really big one that I was sitting with towards the end of this year and thinking about, did I want to quit or did I not want to quit literally everything? And those are some of the things that will hopefully come up in this conversation. I'm going to walk you through five books that I feel really helped lay the foundation for walking into this next decade. Five things that were challenging for me and that pushed me outside of my comfort zone that I think helped me remember who I am and what I'm capable of. And then overall, just the 30 things that I'm glad I didn't do by the time I was 30 and what that exercise has done for me. So let's start off with the five books that I read that I felt really helped lay the foundation for who I am right now. The first is actually the most recent book I read, which is The Dip by Seth Godin. Like I said, I think I've been in a season of figuring out what I wanted to quit and what I didn't, and really going through some form of an existential crisis that allowed me to ask questions that I'd been really scared to ask at any other point in my 20s. Did I like my career? Was I just something that I fell into or was it something I was choosing? A lot of those questions felt heavy because I've built such an amazing, thoughtful career that I was scared to give up if the answer to those questions were actually, no, this isn't what you're supposed to be doing. You should be doing something else. But taking the risk to figure out where I wanted to quit and what I didn't want to quit actually just gave me so much room to land on the things I did love and the things that I wanted to step away from. Seth Godin really walks you through 
when you should quit, why you should quit, the different ways that you can set yourself up for knowing how you will quit if you ever come across that moment. Thinking about the process of it is actually something else I did earlier in the year when I was thinking about whether or not I wanted to have kids. I found this really great article that made it where this therapist who is focused specifically on helping people decide whether or what they want to have children walks you through how the decision to have a kid is actually in two parts. It is split between your desire and the actual decision that comes from it. You can want to have a child and decide not to and vice versa. And having it split in that specific kind of way and leaving room for just the questions made it so much easier as I was talking through a lot of these things in therapy. And that same premise, that same idea of if you ask the question, it doesn't mean that you have to live by the answer that you feel in the gut moment. It means that you just get to sit in the question for a while. You get to decide what your alternatives are. You get to challenge yourself and maybe give yourself room to change your mind. And I think so much of my 20s has taught me that changing my mind is not a bad thing. It's something that is actually a really big privilege. And it's something that I want to learn to hone a lot more as I keep getting older because I can think back to my early 20s and how difficult it was to say no to a third date or to figure out what I wanted simply because I was trying to please someone else because I was trying to be okay with the fact that I had given my word and I wasn't allowing myself to change my mind. So the dip by Seth Godin, read it if you're in a season of what am I doing with my life? Do I want to quit it all? Do I want to quit some of it? What do I want to quit? The next book that I reread often, once a year at least, and I read twice this year, was The Alchemist by Paulo Coelho. It is kind of like my life guide. I go back to it often anytime that I feel really lost and that I want to remember that the process is the most important aspect of any journey. And that while we may be searching for gold or treasures at the end of something, it's the peace that you feel as you're going through the steps to get there and the excitement and the things that you're learning that actually matter. It's hard to remember and to keep hold when so much of our life is based off instant gratification. But this book really makes a difference. I think for me personally, as a kind of compass, something that I can go back to time and time again, and it'll remind me that I'm okay where I am. And the things that I'm doing and the process that I'm living through may not all make sense in the short term. But if I you know, take a plane up and look at what it's laying out in the long term, or how much range it's covering, it's actually a really good life. So highly recommend either rereading it or picking it up for the first time. I won't spoil what the plot is actually about, but I will say that by the end of it, you hopefully have a lot more peace with what you're journeying in in your life. Another short, short read is Be a Triangle by Lily Singh. I read this in the middle of the summer, and I picked it up, I think, randomly at Barnes & Noble. It is maybe like an hour or two of a read. It's not long at all, but I love the concept. It was this idea that you are a triangle and that the more that you can kind of envelop yourself in this concept that you're not supposed to be equally balanced amongst all things. Instead, your life forms a little triangle and all the parts that you build out, whether it's your personal life, your personal choices, your business life, your relationships, they're all supposed to be this triangular form that hold you up that make you feel more aligned with who you are and that allow you to not burn out at any end of the candle. It's short, it's snippy, but it is jam-packed with such good inspiration that I've thought more than once since I read it, okay, how am I making sure that my life is living up to the concept of being a triangle? 
And what can that look like in the day-to-day? Next up is Atomic Habits by James Clear. I know that this book was like on so many lists last year and people probably have read it once or twice already since then, but I only picked it up this year and it completely changed how I look at my habits, the things that I'm building, habit stacking, what that means for me, and honestly how I build up my wellness and self-care routines. I think so often for me, the biggest hassle is getting out of bed in the morning. And there was something in the book that James Clear wrote that blew my mind. And it's simply the concept that your decision to go to the gym or not go to the gym, to get out of bed and not go out of bed, is actually so much simpler than we make it out to be. Like for instance, when he talks about going to the gym, the decision isn't to walk out the door and go to the gym or not. The decision actually happens when you put on your workout clothes. If you've put it on, you know you're going to leave the house and go work out. But if you put on comfy clothes instead, the likelihood of you actually making to the gym are way less. And it's something that I've been using as a kind of litmus test every time I'm struggling with something. Did I make the decision, like two decisions beforehand, or am I making it right now? Like when I get out of bed, instead of hammering down on like, am I going to do this right? Am I going to do the 15 things that have to happen between me and sitting at the desk? My decision is simply, can I sit down in bed? And if I do that, can I stand up? Can I go to the closet? Can I go put the coffee on? And it breaks down your life into much simpler tasks. This also gives you formulas into figuring out how to stick to habits and how to break habits that are no longer serving you. I think so much of what we talk about when it comes to our mental health is how do we continue to add, 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 add to the plate that's already really heavy of self-care habits we're supposed to be doing, quote unquote, in order to feel better. But some seasons don't require you to add anything. A lot of seasons require you to take away stuff. What can I take away from my plate? so that I don't feel overwhelmed in going into the next season. And as I was turning or leading up to turning 30, and something I thought about, what can I strip away? How can I get more time back for myself? How can I get more energy for myself? What does that look like? And that book really helped to get me to the point where I feel like the stuff that I'm balancing or the things that I am quitting make sense for who I am now and where I am now. And then last but not least, It Didn't Start With You by Mark Mark Wallen. Let me tell you what, this was the most groundbreaking, mind-blowing book I have read this year. It speaks to the idea that your trauma is actually somewhat inherited. Not only the things that you've experienced, but also the things that go back three generations that your family, your mother, your grandmother have experienced and what their lives look like. I read this months ago. And I think it set me up really well for some family trauma that I was unpacking towards the end of the year, because it just helped me connect the dots between who I am, who my mom was, who my grandmother was, and how we're all interconnected, even if I don't or couldn't see those connection points earlier. I think it's a really healing read if you're working on inner child stuff, if you're working on just understanding your family or yourself better. And if there are things that don't make sense as to why you have certain fears or certain trigger points, because it's not stuff that you've ever gone through, but maybe it's stuff that your family has gone through. A lot of his writing is based on research, which is really helpful. Um, And it makes it feel like more of an authoritative read versus a personal inclination of like what trauma is. So those are my five books that I think would and have 
definitely set me up for some level of success as I go into my 30s. Um, Not because they're groundbreaking or because I'll reference them at every point in my life, but because they gave me enough room to ask questions. They made me challenge myself when it came to how am I processing my own trauma? How am I healing myself? What am I looking at when I look at how I live my life? What am I bringing into my life that brings joy, that actually fills me up? And what am I needing to take out of my life so that I don't feel drained all the time? I think we sometimes forget that our life really needs to be audited just as often as we do our taxes and as often as we reset our fridge. There's so many aspects of it that can feel overwhelming, that can feel a lot less overwhelming, specifically as you're walking into new milestones or eras in your life. You know, I think I read these ahead of turning 30, which was for me a really big milestone as I was walking into it. But I can see you seeing books being helpful if you're going into parenting or if you're moving into a different era in your life, whatever that era may be. In addition to those five books, I started my year off with a 30 things I wanted to do before I turned 30s list. And I'll talk about that a little bit more towards the end of the episode. But for now, I will say that they led to five challenges that I think really set me up for understanding how unvaluable that kind of list was, but also helped me zero in on the things that actually did set me outside of my comfort zone enough to understand how much I've grown as a person since I was 20 and how much more I have left to grow as a person now that I'm turning 30. And so the first one was kind of what I've been talking about already, this idea of quitting and being okay that quitting doesn't mean I failed or it doesn't mean that I'm a bad person. It simply means that I get to stop something and start something else. And taking the shame away from quitting was such a relief. It just allowed me to decide without judgment what I wanted to quit and what I didn't want to quit and what that would look like in my life on the day-to-day. I also went ziplining this year. And that was actually something that I did do that was on my 30 things to do under 30 um, before I turned 30 list. And it was so much fun. And I am who I am, which is a writer and someone who looks at symbolism in everything I do. So a lot of the ziplining for me is something I carry because I was so scared. Like, Putting my weight on a little string, and granted, it's like, if you've never been ziplining, it's kind of, they tie the line between two things, and then you just kind of throw yourself off of it and go. Um, It's well secure. It's super safe. There's a guide who, like, ties you in and, like, does all the things for you. But still, I was freaking out. There's something so opposite of what you're taught to do with your body, on a normal day that when you have to do when you're ziplining that pushes you outside of the comfort zone in such a specific way. Like the we did six different lines in that same ziplining session. And on that first one, I mean, I was gripping so hard. I was going slow. There, my momentum was rough. And I just felt like I felt really scared. And then the more that I was getting off of these, by the end of the ziplining adventure, I my body felt looser. The idea of jumping into the unknown over literally an abyss or a river (laughs) or a bunch of trees didn't feel as scary anymore. It felt like something that I had trained for. It felt like something I was ready for. It felt like something I could control and save myself if I needed to. And that, for me, was a really inspiring lesson. 
I don't I hadn't done things up until that point that really pushed me outside of my comfort zone that much that led me to rely on my body more than my mind and it shifted something for me it may it reminded me just how much I can trust my body to protect myself not just my mind then we did ATVs um at another point in the vacation and that really made me question why I don't respect my boundaries and my limits because the ATV which is not my vibe but you live and you learn and that was definitely one of those experiences where I lived and I learned another thing that really challenged me this year is I've been working with a client um in the web3 space I've been wanting to go back to grad school for a while now it's something I've been thinking about um particularly because I miss the intellectual research aspect of work. I want to just dive deep into things and learn new things and learn it in a setting where it's not around mental health, for instance. And I took on this client and I'm writing Web3 copy for them, a bunch of articles. And it's been so much fun. It's been so challenging because all it's really using is my writing skill set. And I recommend that without a doubt. If you're ever feeling stuck or if you feel like you need something that's going to challenge you a little bit more intellectually or with your work, taking on something that uses your skill set but not your passion points can do wonders to your confidence. It makes you remember why you love the skill of writing, editing, photography, whatever it may look like, and why you apply that to the specific passions that you're incredibly inclined for. For me, mental health, mental wellness, well-being are the passion points. I use writing podcasting, you know, TikTok, Instagram as forms to bring that to life. But doing this on the writing side with just Web3 has been so interesting. I've learned a so much about a new industry, but I've also just challenged myself in terms of my writing, and it's made me feel so good to bring that all home. Another big challenge that I've done for myself that I recommend anyone does, in addition to solo dates, is going on solo trips. I went to Nashville a few months ago for one night. And it was specifically to go see a writer's round, which is just a bunch of songwriters singing stuff that they've written. And for me, it was such a challenging, wonderful escape. It reminded me how much I love traveling, particularly in a post-pandemic world. It reminded me what why I like being alone. And like the things that I'm doing when I go on these trips aren't sightseeing. For me, that isn't as enticing. So I'm not going to look at everything Nashville has to offer. I literally sat in the hotel lobby and had french fries while I read. And it was that quiet alone time before I went to the concert that just made me feel so fulfilled. And it reminded me like, I like hanging out with myself. Putting yourself in situations that allow you to see how much you enjoy your own company makes it a lot easier to walk into relationships afterwards or to moments with yourself or in your career and say like, I am a value and I am cool and I am funny and I'm interesting, I'm engaging and I'm a good time. Sometimes we forget that we're in the mix of just other people all the time. So taking that moment for yourself really makes a difference. And then the last thing that I have found really challenging is actually really recent. In the last week or so, my therapist and I had a conversation around increased rates for her sessions, um, which is totally valid and fair. And I think we should all be paying our therapists a million of dollars per session because it takes so much from us and they hold so much and they help guide us. But it sends me down a spiral reflection, particularly because I've been in therapy for almost nine years straight. The only breaks I've ever taken are like holidays or vacation time. And 
for a couple of reasons, some financial and some just where I am in life, I've been thinking seriously about taking a break from therapy for a month or two because I'm tired, to be honest with you. Like, I think I'm just exhausted. I I want a little bit of a break from having to commute into the city for therapy, from just the work that I've been doing in therapy. But I also know that I can only do this because I'm in a really great place. Like I've worked really hard to feel a lot more emotionally stable, to know what I can lean on if I do stop therapy for a while, what that mental health toolkit and toolbox that I have can do for me in the interim, what it would look like to maybe find a different therapist who lives locally, who wouldn't strain me in terms of being able to go into the city, come out, the commuting time, all of that jazz. But even considering a break in therapy after all I've been through in the last decade and why I knew I needed it then and reflecting on how maybe I need it in different ways now has been wild. It's also made me such a such it's also made me appreciate so much how holistic our mental health toolkits should be. Because if I only leaned on therapy, I think it would be much harder to take a break because it would be the only space that I would have to process the things I process. But knowing that I have kind of a robust range of different tools that I turn to, like journaling, meditating, going on walks, being more physical, support groups that are anonymous that I can walk into at any point in time, things that are more group therapy focused, um, the ability to go back to therapy if I choose to, if I need it. All of those just make it a lot easier to make the decisions on the things, like I said, that I do want to quit or don't want to quit. It isn't for everyone. And I think that if you're just at the beginning of your mental health journey, it's, I mean, a month ago, like it was invaluable for me to be in therapy. I needed it and I knew I needed it. And it has been such a helpful tool in helping me adult. And I don't think that that'll change. I think I know I will go back. But knowing yourself enough to know when you can trust yourself to take these breaks makes such a difference. And that brings us kind of to wrap up this conversation on the notion of a 30 things I want to do before I turn 30 list. Like I said, I wrote that list down when I turned 29. I mean, I had been gearing up and ready to turn 30. But in the space of actually living through some of these things, checking off lists, doing all that jazz, I realized I didn't want to finish the list. (laughs) I had been approaching 30 as if 30 was the last chance I got to do anything. Turns out, hopefully, I will have many more years and many more moments to do a lot of the things that were on that list. So at some point in the last few months, I actually transitioned it to a 30 things I'm glad I didn't do before I turned 30. Because I want some excitement left. I want some things that I want to answer, some questions that aren't fully formed by the time I turn 30. I don't want to have my life figured out. I want to keep figuring out my life. And... The permission slip that that allowed for me has made such a difference, right? Because it means that I don't have to have it all. I can have some of it. I can have the parts that make sense for who I am right now. And then I can keep growing. I can keep doing. I can keep learning. It's actually really exciting. And while I won't tell you everything that is on my 30 things I'm glad I didn't do before I turned 30 list, I will tell you that it's a really awesome exercise to do. Just jot down things that you're super excited for to continue doing after you hit that milestone that you've been working towards, whether it's turning 30 or something else. 
because there will always be something to look forward to. And the more that we can hold on to those things, the more joyous the milestone will be. It will feel less like a dreadful thing that you have to leave so many things behind for. And instead, it becomes this new door towards all the things that you can walk into and own and feel good about. And with that, I leave you and I walk into the rest of my birthday week. I'm excited to turn 30 on Sunday. I'm excited to have this community to know that this was one of the things that was on my 30 things to do before I turned 30 list, which was to start a podcast, to build this community, to turn it into some place that we can talk about mental health in unique ways with unique people. I like that I'm doing this. It's not something I want to quit. And I hope that you don't want to quit it either. So I'll see you next Thursday on another episode of Happy to Be Here. And then we're wrapping for the holiday season and a little break. But until then, make sure that you are liking, sharing, reviewing anywhere that you can and anywhere that you listen to podcasts and share this conversation with a friend. Because I think that we can all benefit from just a little bit of introspection, a lot of support and questioning why we're doing what we're doing and if there's space for more. I'll see you next week.